So I'm going to begin where we left off last time. We're in Romans 12. And this is a, a passage of scripture that we want to come to as we come back together. That we have been apart physically and we are coming back together. Engaging in relationships sharing life with each other again and that at times can be difficult relationships are hard and so I just want to read Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to remind us I'm going to, again I'm going to read this with a southern perspective because in English the U's you can't tell if the U's are Singular or plural. So the Spanish will sound the same, but the English... I'll read it a little differently. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with all y'all to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for all y'all. Each of us giving our bodies together, right? One sacrifice. Let them, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way all y'all together are to worship him. Remember, this letter is to a church. It's to a group of people. It's not to an individual. And we need to take off our individual lenses as we read this, as we listen to God's Word. It was written to a multi-ethnic family. This family of Jews and other ethnicities that were living in Rome as the church. They were sharing life together. And this command was for them, for them as a whole, for them as a group, to offer their life as a sacrifice. All of them together offering one sacrifice. Not everyone making their own sacrifice, but the family, this group, making a sacrifice. This was their true and their proper worship. It was holy and pleasing to God. It was not necessarily to sing a song. It was not necessarily to hear a sermon. But their true and proper worship was to live together, to share life together in unity. I'm not saying singing songs together are bad or wrong. I'm not saying a sermon is bad or wrong. But what Paul is describing here is their life together. This is their true and proper worship that they offer as a whole. Together in unity. 
And I want to be clear that that's not uniformity. It's not that they were all the same. They're unified, but they're not uniform. It's not that they all got together, they were sharing this life because they had the same ethnicity. It's not that they all shared the same customs. It's not that they all spoke the same language. It's not that they all had the same education. It's not that they all had the same socioeconomic standing. It's not that they all supported the same political party. It's not that they all had the same immigration status. It's not that they all had the same religious practices. And it wasn't that they all had the same preferences. But they were unified. Many different parts but connected together unified in Jesus Christ unified in their service to God unified in loving God and loving others that's their unity their unity was in the gospel of Jesus Christ it was not in anything else it was about the gospel of Jesus Christ it was about his coming kingdom and so we cannot make this sacrifice alone as an individual. You cannot sacrifice this way. You cannot worship this way as an individual. You cannot worship this way as your nuclear family in your home. But you worship this way as the collected, gathered family of God. You need, you must be a part of a church family to worship this way. And I think that's easy to understand. But that's difficult to accept. And at times that's hard to practice. And we might need convincing. And so Paul continues in the passage. In verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform living stones, piedras vivas, into a new people. By changing the way Livingstone's Piedras Vivas thinks. Then Livingstone's Piedras Vivas will learn to know God's will for Livingstone's Piedras Vivas, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You guys notice I changed what was written on the screen. Obviamente cambiamos lo que está lo que está ahí en la pantalla. 
that changes the way we hear this passage, right? When we think about this, not for me, not for my family, but for us. Because that's the way this passage is written. That's the way this passage was intended when Paul wrote it to the church in Rome. That's how they would have heard it and how they would have received it. And as I change that wording, I'm trying to take away our individualistic perspective. We think so individualistically that we can't even hear it that way. It sounds wrong that way. And some of you might have questioned, oh my gosh, he just changed the Word of God. He just changed the translation. That we would hear it in a way that is the closest to what its original intent was. And sometimes we have to think differently because we are taught to think so in such a specific way by our culture and by our families and by the way we've been trained. And we need to hear things differently. In this verse, Paul is essentially telling this multi-ethnic gospel-driven family that they can't think and act like the current culture, like the current age. But they and we, we must think and act not according to our culture, not according to how things are presently, but how things are to come according to the culture of the kingdom of God that has come, is coming, and will come in its fullness. We're supposed to change our thinking, transform our thinking in that way. According to the kingdom that's coming through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we're to think. That's how we're to behave as we share this life together. And the kingdom is upside down. The kingdom of God is backwards. The kingdom means the opposite of what we would expect. It's contrary to what seems like common sense. Repeatedly, it's contrary to the way that our culture operates. All of our cultures. In the kingdom of God, the first shall be last. In the kingdom of God, the least shall be the greatest. In the kingdom of God, those who humble themselves will be exalted. In the kingdom of God, to find your life, to have life, you have to lose your life. You have to be willing to sacrifice your life. All of that is backwards. All of that is not how we normally think. And so I want us 
to be challenged as we read this, as we look at what Paul talks about, this good and pleasing and perfect will. Not for you and your life, but for us. Do we think about that according to, with the perspective of the kingdom of God? Or do we think about it according to the world? Do we think about this family according to the world? Do we measure ourselves according to the world? Do we compare ourselves according to the world? Or is our perspective even based on church culture? And we, we see ourselves and assess ourselves based on church culture. That's Church culture has got to be better than the world culture, right? Sometimes. Or do we see ourselves? Do we think and act according to the kingdom culture? Last week, when we watched the 10-year anniversary video, it was difficult for me. I had seen it multiple times before, as Melanie had shared. It was emotional for me. It was exhausting for me. But I want to ask you, what was your response? As you watched, as you listened and saw the images of all these different individuals and all these different people over 10 years of time together. And I will confess that my initial perspective was based on the culture. It was based on church culture. I started to watch that and I started to feel this weight trying to assess and to measure if we in 10 years have been successful and has all this that we've all this sacrifice, all this effort, all these relationships has it been worth it? And I'm, I'm trying to look for, for data or for information and, and, and my mind is programmed for performance. And I start to think about the numbers and the numbers of people and the numbers of events and activities. I start to think about the numbers of people who have come and who have gone. I start to think about what others and other churches and other leaders, what they would think about us, how they see us and how they assess us. And I am overwhelmed and I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to continue. And then I saw this picture. <laughs> it 
wasn't the first time I watched it. But at some point, as I was watching this repeatedly, I saw this picture and I felt like like the Holy Spirit just slapped me in the face. Like, wake up! Like, why are you thinking and why is your perspective according to the world, even according to the church culture? I saw this picture. And these are two two people that should not have a relationship together. Sergio is a Oaxacan immigrant. Larry is from the west side of Chicago. An African American from the west side of Chicago sitting here with his arm around embracing this Oaxacan immigrant whose first language is not even Spanish or English. And these men share life together. They share an apartment together. They've shared an apartment with other people. They've shared an apartment just with the two of them. And what blows my mind is that they will share the table at Wingstop eating chicken wings and having a conversation communicating and broken English and Larry with a couple words of Spanish and they laugh and they enjoy their time together that woke me up and then I started to see pictures differently I started to think about and assess differently what was God's good and pleasing and perfect will the next picture these were two of the most difficult relationships that we've had in the past 10 years for many of us. It required a lot of sacrifice. These were two underaged girls in relationship with each other that were both on the streets they were both pregnant and that both had been prostituting themselves. And we took them in like family. We. Not me. We. And we treated them like family. They were about three or four months pregnant. And from that point on, they lived with someone in our church. 
From that point on, they participated as a part of our family. I was looking at other pictures, and there they are, dressed up and at a wedding table. Someone that's getting married in our church at the reception, enjoying and celebrating with us. And then there's pictures of women in our church who are beside them that were in the room when they delivered their babies. That makes no sense. Next picture. I apologize to Scott. You guys are much, much thinner than la that ladies. The picture is. But this is a recent women's retreat. I wasn't there. But I heard stories. And one of the stories that stands out to me is how Marie and Lupe were sharing with each other, interacting with each other, having conversations with each other, encouraging each other, loving on each other, despite, not unaware of, but despite their differences. Very different backgrounds, very different cultures that they come from, very different situations that they are in, but yet they were there engaging and interacting despite those differences. Again, because they were unified in the gospel. Next picture. This picture also makes me exhausted. And if you met Trey and Adar, so that's on the left is Lucas, Emmanuel and Melanie's son, then Adar, then Elias, which is also Melanie and Emmanuel's son, and Trey. Trey and Adar were foster children that were a part of this family, and they were difficult. They required a lot of work. But this family took them in. Everyone here, we treated them like family. We welcomed them in. These, they, they referred to them as their cousins. Okay? They would talk about their cousin Elias, their cousin Lucas. And even our children would treat other children like family. And last picture. This is Maricruz. And many of you may never have met Maricruz. She was a woman in our neighborhood. Who became a part of our family. She was becoming blind and she became blind. 
vino cielo y formó parte de nuestras familias. She couldn't care for herself. No se podía cuidar sola. But she became a part of our family. Pero se hizo familia. People, individuals in our family would pick her up, would help her to get to the wheelchair, and would literally wheel her from Lanark Street to here. And we would put a chair back where Elizabeth and Anderson are. We put a recliner that she could sit in, and she would join us as a part of the service, sitting in the recliner. She couldn't see anything. She could barely hear. When we get to, this is Trent and Bonnie's house, and we have to literally lower her into the hot tub to be baptized. And Maddie Cruz, she passed away. And many of us were at her funeral. As her family. All of that challenged me to think differently about God's good and pleasing and perfect will for us, for this family. These relationships are upside down. They don't make sense. They're contrary to our culture. But could it be as we read this passage, as we consider what Paul is saying, that being a family together that having these relationships that sharing a life that we sacrifice together is holy and pleasing to God that God is making us a new people. That God is transforming the way that living stones, piedras, vivas, thinks and acts according to His will. His good and pleasing and perfect will. May it be so. May that be so of us. May that be who we are. May we accept that as God's will for us. With a perspective according to the kingdom. And that we would celebrate that. And that we'd be encouraged about that. And we'd be motivated about that. And that would move us to continue together by faith. Amen.
So I don't want to leave you there. Because you remember last time I told you you were very needy. We're all needy. Our neediness is what brings us together. That's how we share. That's how we are connected as a part of this family is our absolute need and how Jesus, how God has responded to our need. How God has responded to our brokenness, our weakness with His life, with His death, and with His resurrection and this coming kingdom that we are pursuing. That's what holds us together. That's what connects us, is our need and how God has responded to that need. And so are we willing, as I just asked, are we willing to share this life together? Are we willing to acknowledge our needs? All these relationships were full of needs that I showed you. Need after need after need after need after need after need after need. And so are we willing to be a part of that, to be a part of this sacrifice, to share this life together, acknowledging that I have needs and accepting others who have needs, embracing those needs, and even welcoming and inviting others with needs to be a part of this family. Are we willing to do that? Because you might think, well, wait, wait, I thought I was supposed to come to Sunday service. I was supposed to come uh, to, to, to church to have my needs met. I come to church to have my needs met. And I would tell you that is not that is not according to the kingdom. You come. We come. With our needs. And as we are the church, as we live like the church, then we meet each other's needs. Our needs are met as we come with our needs, as we share life and worship God in this way together. Sharing a life with needy people results in your needs being met. Sharing a life with needy people results and your needs being met. Now hopefully that sounds crazy. Hopefully that, sounds, that does not make sense, Britt. If I have needs, I'm going to share my life with others who have needs, and our needs are going to be met. That's upside down, that's backwards, that makes no common sense, but it makes sense in the kingdom of God. And Paul is encouraging us, is commanding us to think according to the kingdom of God. 
I want to finish with verse 4 to the beginning of verse 6. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Verse 6, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Every one of us has needs. If you don't have needs, you don't need to be here. But every one of us has needs. But, but... Every one of us has been given special gifts, specific gifts that God has given each of us for serving Him and for serving others. All of us have needs, but yet all of us have gifts. And it says at the end of verse 5, and we all belong to each other. In the context of this passage, it's communicating that I have a right to your gifts. And you have a right to my gifts. I have needs, you have needs. You have gifts, I have gifts. And I have a right to your gifts, and you have a right to my gifts. These gifts that God has given us through His grace. Your gifts serve and meet my needs. My gifts serve and meet your needs. God has gifted every one of us in a way that will meet someone else's needs here. Every one of us. Every one of us. Elizabeth has been gifted in a certain way that will meet the need of someone else in this body. Ephraim has been gifted in a specific way by God to meet needs of someone else in this body. Isabella has been gifted by God in a way to meet someone's specific needs in this body. Koset has been gifted by God in a way to meet the specific needs of someone else in this body. Everyone here has gifts that God has graced us with that are to be used to meet the needs of someone else. Do we believe that? That's hard to believe. That doesn't make sense. That seems backwards. 
But that's the way God has designed us. That's the way the church has been formed. It is not according to how we see things, not according to how the culture see thing, sees things, but according to the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom, we are interdependent on one another. And we need to live that way, and we need to think that way, and we need to act that way. We are dependent on God, and we are interdependent on each other. Right? God gives us salvation. God gives us these gifts. And with those gifts, then we depend on each other, and are interdependent together. And as we share that life, serving with our gifts, actually making our needs known so that others can serve us, and being willing to sacrifice my life, my, my things, so that I can serve others, as we do that, we live like family, making a sacrifice together, this life together, that is true worship that is holy and pleasing and good. That's God's will for living stones, piedras, vivas. If we are a church that is unified in the gospel, that is God's will for us. And it is good and it is pleasing and it is perfect. There's no way to get around that. That's what God has called us to. And so I just want you to think about how you participate. I want you to think about, am I willing to communicate and to demonstrate, to be transparent with my needs? Am I willing first to acknowledge I have needs, I have issues, and am I willing to be transparent, right? To communicate, to demonstrate Hey, family, I have issues. I have needs. That's first. And then second, are we willing to serve each other with our gifts to meet those needs? To walk with each other, caring for each other, involved in each other's needs, loving God and loving each other. We have to be willing to listen and respond to God's Word. We are called, Living Stones is called to be a living sacrifice together. May God transform us into a people that think that way. Amen. Amen. May we think differently. 